Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 77th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ, and with me today, with me on this day that is just a Tuesday, I have Logan. Oh, hey, do you come here often? (laughs) (laughs) Every Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, No, Alan and Sean with us today. I just got back from Midwest Gaming Classic. Maybe we talk about that for a little bit, but... I just got back from Midwest Game Classic this weekend. Uh, it is Tuesday night. We're recording this. I'll be editing and publishing this right after just to make sure that you guys get your daily, your not daily, your weekly dose of our board game podcast, which is focused on experiences and in board games and whatnot. But we got some games to talk about. So let me let me lay out the show real quick. We're going to talk a little bit about the Midwest Gaming Classic because there was some board gaming there. I just got back from that con. Logan's played a bunch, including World Championship, Russian Roulette, and a couple other games yeah. that he mentioned prior to the show. So uh, we're going to talk about those, and uh, yeah, and we'll go through this. But let's start with the Midwest Gaming Classic. It is a. It started off as like a arcade, not not an arcade. Sorry, wrong word. A pinball focused convention that happened in the in the Milwaukee area. If you want to be more specific, it's Brookfield. But that that takes place in Wisconsin. Not a lot of conventions in the Midwest. I'm I'm sure if if you're listening to this show and you're heavily into board games and tabletop games and role playing games, you probably know that Gen Con started in the Milwaukee area. Oh, and then uh, yeah, uh, Gen Con was in Milwaukee, and then then left a couple years into indie. We didn't really have much of a convention scene here in Milwaukee, but Midwest Game Classic started up. I want to say nine or ten years ago and then it grew and grew so very pinball heavy with a ton of pinball machines and then a bunch of vendors that would provide pinball parts and you know help you find what you're looking for to restore old pinball boards and stuff Hmm. and then it grew and grew and it started bringing more video game stuff and probably in the last three or four years they they introduced a tabletop aspect of it with well, like, like I, I don't know if you've been to PAX, Logan, but PAX has like this tabletop area. Yeah, I have not been to PAX. It's it's like in the back behind all the vendors, but it's pretty much a bunch of tables and then like a wall of board games. And usually, I don't know if PAX does it like this, but at least Midwest Gaming Classic and a couple other conventions I've been to, you pretty much just give them your driver's license and then they hand you a board game. Oh, that's cool. So you could steal the board game, I guess, but you wouldn't have a driver's license. <laughs> kind well, of important. On- Depends on how valuable that board game is, I guess. that's Twilight Imperium or something. Right. It's very worth it. <laughs> go, go to the DMV, pay them 20 bucks or whatever, and get a new license. Right. Just make sure you don't get pulled over on your way home. Right. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Midwest Game Classic, they have like that, that tabletop area where you, you give them your driver's license, they hand you a board game. They also, at the front, MGC takes place in, in a hotel, the Sheraton. And so in the front lobby, there is also, I want to say it's Gnome Games. They're from, they're from Green Bay, but they come down. They bring a bunch of board games for sale. And they also do the driver's license thing of just, you know, hand them a driver's license. They'll hand you a game. And they have a couple tables in the lobby that you can play on, which is really great. What's really great about them is they'll stay in that front lobby till like 2 to 3 a.m. If you're staying in the hotel or you're at least in the Milwaukee area, it's like, well... Shoot, I can I can game till three AM and it's not gonna cost me anything but them holding on to my driver's license for you know a couple hours. 
in past years, uh, it was a great way to be like, okay, like I remember playing King of Tokyo with a bunch of people and and a couple other games of of just like, great, I don't have to go home, I don't have to grab my copy, we're here. But this year I was really busy, didn't get to, I, I do, I have a room for the, for my other podcast, the Pokemon Podcast, so in that room we featured a bunch of art from, from Micah, who is this artist in Milwaukee, he's just super fantastic, he did a bunch of art, so we featured a bunch of art, I had a custom built Pokemon pinball cabinet and stuff, so, you know, people come in, tell them about the podcast, uh, they play some pinball, they look at some art, they leave, it was a good, it was a good convention, I didn't get to play some tabletop games like I've done years before, but overall, a pretty cool convention that, that happens every late March, early April in, in Wisconsin. But yeah, that, that was my weekend. That's why we're recording late. Hmm. You've played some stuff, Logan. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a, I got a list here. Well, so, you know, we're, we're all about self-promotion on, on this here podcast. <laughs> I, I played World Championship Russian Roulette with my uh, more casual group of gamers, and boy, they loved it. It was it was a real hit. You have two play groups, though. I see. I'm jealous of this because you actually have people <laughs> to play with. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I've got a, like a more casual one and a more hardcore group. And when when you say casual, what's what do you think is the most complicated game those casual people play? Complicated and, and enjoy. The, Maybe complicated not is the wrong word. It's Maybe like like heavy. There's like there's a very strict limit on how many bits and pieces can come out of the box before my my casual group will be like no, uh, and that's really the thing because I I feel like you know Werewolf can be a pretty complex game but um, they're all into it because there's no bits and pieces they're just like little cards one card for everybody apparently the upward limit of bits and pieces is uh, Deception Murder in Hong Kong although they ended up loving that but it does have a few bits and pieces. But uh, th- have they played like, the resistance or anything or like secret yeah. Hitler? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All the all the hidden roll games are are winners for for the casual group, because first of all, it doesn't there's just not that many bits and pieces. And second, it's those games inherently are pretty easy to teach. So that's normally the a good type of game for that for that group. Um, but yeah, we played World Championship Rush Roulette. And I mean, I'm I'm not making any money on this, so I'm totally unbiased, but <laughs> it's it's just a really intense sort of game. It it does a great job at um at just making you feel like you might blow your brains out. I also like that's a super dark theme. Theme. It's a really really dark theme. So, I it's definitely not for for everybody and uh but I th- that being said, my group had a ton of fun with it and you know, you d- you do the you mime the like gun to your head and flip over that card and it feels like ah, it's just incredibly intense and um yeah everybody had a a real real blast uh pushing their luck man blast ah oh, i made a joke and i didn't mean to so good did you did you have any trouble teaching the game and or did you get any rules wrong while playing it i uh i mean the the answer to the second question is i don't know i mean maybe but um i everybody seemed to Pick it up pretty easy. It's a super simple game, to be honest. Like the the rule book isn't very long, and it's uh it's it's pretty straightforward. The only the like the only complications come with the action cards, and the rules for the action cards are just written right there on the card. So you don't there's not a ton of of stuff that that comes up as far as rules. Yeah, but uh, they had a they had a fun time. 
I, I get a resounding like thumbs up from all of all of the playgroup there. Is it like <laughs> fun time? Is like yeah, that was a fun time, or is it fun time like, hey, let's play this again next? It was like we started we started gaming at about eight p.m. and then by the time we looked up, it was one a.m. So I oh, when that was all a, world championship. We we played some Deception and Murder in Hong Kong first, and then World Championship Russian Roulette. But the whole like the whole night was just intense and awesome. I would say it's about it's it was probably two thirds uh, Russian Russian Roulette. So okay, yeah, high praise from from that group. They <laughs> yeah, they really liked it. <laughs> to flip over to your more your non-casual group i don't know what, what what do you call them your hardcore group hardcore group yeah let's do that <laughs> do, you, do you bring games like world championship russian roulette or resistance or i don't know like happy salmon or you know ticket to ride do they play that stuff or no they want like the heavy euro stuff they would they would just outright refuse to play happy salmon they're not about making themselves look wacky uh, which is a shame because it's super fun. But uh, something like Werewolf, we, we played a ton of Werewolf back in the day. Um, it just depends on whether or not it feels uh, strategically gratifying to play the game. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like the whole game is luck-based, I'm assuming. Right, exactly. That's That's mostly what that group will get into. And bits and pieces do not scare them off. So that's the group I play Gloomhaven with because that's a... That is a lot of bits and pieces. That's also like I played Clank recently. That was that's a pretty fun game. I played Clank. that with the, with the hardcore group. Yeah, I've never heard of this. Tell me, maybe po- tell me, maybe possibly elevator pitch me this. Okay, game. okay, yeah. Do, are we doing the voices thing or is that I don't I can never remember if we're like in or out of that. Ah, uh, you know. Alan loves the voices. I don't really care much for the voices. I'll I'll leave it up to you, voice or no voice. A lot of times I get too enamored with with, uh, the character that I'm supposed to be playing that I don't actually do a good job of explaining the game. (laughs) So I personally prefer to elevator pitch without the constraints of playing a character. I I will ask you to probably explain that. I I want the elevator pitch, though. And sometimes we, we, we do a bad job at elevator pitching, even though this was something like we started. Like, I want to know the pitch of the game before I want to know, like, the rules of the game. So once you get in the elevator, I want you to sell it to me. And then okay. if it sounds good, then I want you to, like, explain it to me, right? Because I want to know more after that. Okay. All right. So in that case, ding me, SBJ. All right, Clank is a game in the same vein as like Trains or Tyrants of the Underdark that's a deck building game, but also it's a worker placement game or just like a board placement game. It's not really a worker placement game, but there's tokens on the board. So it's like a board game and a deck construction game. You are adventurers delving into this dungeon. You know that there's a dragon in there that is going to kill you if you stay in too long. So your goal is to grab as much treasure before you get out. Um, if you go really deep in the dungeon, then nobody's going to come and save you. But there's tons of really cool treasure down there. So the further you go, the better your deck will be and the more money you'll make and the better chance you have of winning. But the more noise you'll make and the more likely the dragon will eat you. That's my that's my elevator pitch. That was a good pitch. <laughs> that sounds like something I want to play. Yeah, it's a really fun game. So you said um, deck building game and some some board placement. 
Is this like a what is this like a two to four player game? Is this yeah four four players max I believe. Yeah, and everybody has you know it's like a standard. Everybody's got the same deck to start out with, and it's pretty crappy. And then you try to get better, but the more like some of the cards will let you move more or get more money or treasure or whatever, or have fight so you can beat up things uh, in the dungeon. But then you you make noise. That's why the game's called Clank, uh, because the, you get Clank. Clank is like a resource. It's a bad resource. You don't want to make it. Oh, so, I see. I see. Like yeah, yeah. like the like your like your bucket is clanking and making noise. Yeah. Or I mean, I guess your armor, your sword, or whatever. And so the more so every time you make Clank, you put a cube into the the there's a bag that represents the dragon, and then. Uh, the dragon, like every, every time a card rolls off the top, it's either a monster or a different card, but sometimes it'll have like a drag, the dragon attacks at the end of the round. And when the dragon attacks, depending on how late in the game it is and how much collective noise everyone has made, the dragon will draw a number of cubes out. So it might, in a four player game, I think it starts with two and then it goes all the way up to like six. But basically, all those cubes, it's like the Hunger Games, you know, you're the you draw a number of cubes out equal to the level of the dragon. So if it's the starting level, you draw two and then those those color cubes take damage. So if you made a ton of noise and you get lucky, maybe the dragon never hits you anyway. So there's always the like, ah, I'll, I can push my luck. It's it's not a big deal. Everybody else is going to get hurt instead of me. It's a it's a really fun mechanic. Just the the type the titular clank is uh is a fun mechanic. That no, makes that ma- sense. Yes, yeah. yes, that okay. made sense. I, I looked it up. It's called just for our listeners, it's called Clank A Deck Building Adventure. Mm-hmm. And it was published by Dire Wolf Digital. Hmm. I don't know sometimes sometimes people want the publisher. Yeah. Or a little but yeah, it's it's one to four player, plays in thirty to sixty minutes. Came out in two thousand sixteen. So did you did you pick this up or did somebody bring it to your your playgroup? Yeah, the the other like basically we're two game collectors in the hardcore group, and the uh, the other one, my friend Justin, he he was the one who I think he kickstarted it. Oh, it wouldn't be a board game if it wasn't kickstarted, right? Like that's every... exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so did your friend then teach the rules? I think we all sort of learned collectively. Although I I think he did he was the one to read the rule book but you know we all sort of uh with that group we read enough to collectively understand how we could start the game and then sort of fill in the gaps when they when a question comes oh you're one of those groups yeah (laughs) but that seems to go all right maybe yeah like clearly it's working for you guys (laughs) right that's that's actually my favorite way to play but uh for the more casual group i think it's something where like i they just seem they one one person specifically is like super concerned with ha- knowing every detail of every rule, and I'm like, let's just play one game where just don't worry if you're gonna win or not because it doesn't matter. It's just a game, yeah. and we'll we'll all figure out how to play. I have but somebody the, like that in my group. Yeah, yeah, they've got to know everything, and if they don't, they get they feel cheated. Is that is that about right? Right. right. Yeah. And so, or, or or you maybe look up a rule, like 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 you settle a turn, right? You just. Everyone kind of agrees that makes sense. Some, if it's not my turn anymore and somebody's taking really long, I might page through the rule book and then go, oh, like after, you know, 
10 minutes of staring at this page, I see the actual like question, the FAQ here and, and the rule. And then you tell that to the table and that, that person that you're talking about, which is similar to the person in my group, they probably get very frustrated that yeah. <laughs> they would have like changed everything. They w- like the whole turn would have been drastically different if they would have known this one tidbit of information. Yes, <laughs> that, is, that is precisely what happens. And so I try my best to learn the rules really well uh, for that group. And then the other, on the other hand, like just as an example, we we were playing a totally different game that was not Gloomhaven the first time we played that game <laughs> uh, because we had so many rules wrong. And then, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, we'll text each other through the day after we read like an FAQ or whatever. And like, hey, this this actually monsters work this way. We've been playing this game completely wrong. And it's just kind of funny to that yeah. group. Yeah. Yeah. Another example is so like kind of what what you just said is like when I finish a game, I usually go to Board Game Geek or something, and I'll I'll look at their their rule section or their FAQ section. Yeah. And I'll page through it and go like, oh, we had that issue too. Like, what are people saying here? I want to know when I finish a game if I did play it right or wrong, and then yeah. evaluate evaluate from there of of okay. If if these were the three issues we had and I can iron that out, now I feel even more confident teaching slash playing that game again in the future. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like the goal is just fun. So, I mean, I look at initially, I'm just like, did we have fun? Do I want to play this again? And if we did have fun, then yeah, like if anything didn't make any sense, then I'll go look more in depth for what would happen in that situation. And I don't know if if your specific person, we're talking about this this type of person, but if your specific person does this, but let's say it's the resistance, even though the resistance is pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. So we play the resistance the first time, we get a couple things wrong, everyone's happy though at the end of the game because it feels okay. Go home, check the rules, realize, oh, we did this one thing wrong. On on the third turn, we were supposed to, you know, pass the, the leadership one over or something. And so when we set up for the second time, and this could be a week, could be a month later, that one person, it, to me, <laughs> at least in my group, they're, they're like, well, that's not how we played it the first time. Oh. <laughs> and, and they're like still bitter about the very first game because, again, they would have changed their whole strategy a month ago. <laughs> I, I think your, your person might be a little more extreme than mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just but- funny. It's just... Yeah, yeah. You just you just laugh about it at that point, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, I don't. I don't really think on that subject. I don't think any of my uh, the groups that I play with really counts wins. You know what I mean? Like we, if if anybody remembers a story about a a particular game, it's because it was like memorable or funny, not because like they won or lost. That's that's hardly ever the main focus of, of any story we remember from the games, which I think is probably a good thing. But but I think yeah. if you're hung up on winning and losing, that that could definitely, that's the reason why the rules things matter to those people because they want to win. So that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think some of my most memorable stuff is either like The Resistance or Two Rooms and a Boom or Werewolf. And honestly, like for how, however many times I've played all those games, I don't really remember a single win or loss i just remember like big situations or big climaxes that happened in that game Mm -hmm. and like how they were resolved oh man Uh, (laughs) this this is right this is a kind of a a tangent at this point but i remembered a very like a very memorable 
win of somebody in a werewolf. Can I can I tell a story? Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, our, <laughs> just to be clear of like the the show, like we we do talk about games, but we. I don't. I don't ever want the show to be like, okay, let's talk about the five games we played and explain the rules of them. Like, I uh, what you what you're about to do, like telling an experience, <laughs> like that. That's what I want, right? <laughs> excellent, excellent. So totally tell that. Okay, so it was it was in the the heyday of like our group discovering Werewolf. So it was like game 550 or whatever at this point. But they had just released like one of the new things from Werewolves of Miller's Hollow, which was like, that was the original werewolf that I played. And one of the new characters was the Pied Piper. Uh, Basically, they were sort of like a werewolf, but instead of eating people at night, they would mesmerize up to two people. So every, every night they would mesmerize up to two people. And if they at any point in the game had everyone mesmerized and they won and nobody else did. So there were still werewolves in this game. There was just also a Pied Piper. So anyway, what we have, like, I think everybody has this person in their group that is the the big strategist guy. Like, you know that you're at a disadvantage because this person is just incredibly intelligent and knows exactly how to play every game and is very good at finding the strategies. Mm-hmm. So we had that guy playing. And then we had a pretty casual dude playing. Uh, we're just going to call him John for this. Okay. <laughs> so... That's the setup. But anyway, what's what's the, the uh, what's the good guy? What's the really intelligent guy? What's what's his name? Let's call Nathan. Him Nathan. Okay. <laughs> okay. So round one, Nathan wakes up and he's like, "We've got a piper," and uh, and he was like, "Who else? Who else got got mesmerized in the night?" And nobody nobody raised their hand. And he's like, "Okay, okay," and uh, and then we just sort of move on. And keep keep doing the game. And there's like 12 people in this game, so it's a pretty long game of Werewolf. And this is the regular Werewolf, not Ultimate One Night or anything. So it's it's gonna go a while. So the the night concludes, and you know stuff happens, and then the second night happens. And again, you know Nathan has to wake up because he's mesmerized, and he wakes up and says, "Okay, uh, so nobody else was mesmerized, huh? That's which is just me, huh?" And, like, nobody <laughs> believes him. Everybody thinks he's, like, playing some long con. And I think that John probably just forgot that he could do that the first time, that he could mesmerize anybody again. Yeah. But but it turned into this, the perfect strategy, which was to make the guy who was the most, the biggest strategist at the table go completely insane. Like, he just, he was just <laughs> raving the whole time that there was a Pied Piper and nobody would believe him. And uh, John actually ended up winning that game. Like he just wow. waited until there were four total people left, and he mesmerized the other two, and was like, "Ha ha!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it's it was amazing. fantastic. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember a game of the Resistance where one person, like it was the first time playing. As we were we were playing, he continued to ask questions of like you, just your standard questions of you know first time playing the Resistance. Oh, but more so like it it almost was like asking questions for the first time playing board games. Oh, yeah. Just a lot of questions, like a lot of good questions, a lot of, oh, I see what's going on here. Or like, oh, can they do that? Oh, is is OK. All right. OK. Can <laughs> is this is this possible? Like a lot of the just every turn, just nonstop questions. Right. And so. Mm hmm. Everyone was so convinced that he was uh, a like a blue guy, a good guy. Yeah, and of course, the final turn, the resist, the the spies win, and he like 
slyly flips over his red card and like just played all of us the entire time. <laughs> that makes me the most proud of somebody like and it's always the person who starts off the game saying like I'm a terrible liar. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm just not good at these type of games. And then the like, first thing they're just like can you can you Logan, I don't understand what my card is. Can you come tell me what my card? And I'm like the moderator or whatever and I go over and they like show me the werewolf and I'm like, "Okay, all right. I I get what you're doing here." <laughs> and I'm I'm very proud of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuz it only like, works once yes. though, really. Right, right, but they but they're cashing in on it, man, and, and I love it. I just I just love that play so much. I, I would, it, it just makes me happy every time. And of course, like you said, it only works one time. So every time I get to see, witness it for the first time, I just feel empowered. You know, I'm just like, yes, somebody is learning deceit for the first time. <laughs> uh, did you uh, did you play anything else though? I know you had a big list, but we got we probably got time for for one more game. Let's see. Um, well, I mean, we could do like a classics thing if you want. Because um, I I've been uh, have we talked about skulls on the game on this show before? I feel like I've brought it up, but maybe maybe not in depth. But I would well, I, I would I would love to to hear your your opinion because I feel like us a lot of other board game podcasts even even websites they f- they focus on all the new games coming out yeah I, f- I think like having some some old stuff that you still play is is a good a good yeah. thing to consider <laughs> yeah let's uh, uh let's talk about skull it's it's a game that i still frequently play and it's probably one of one of three games i always pack in a bag when i go somewhere yeah it's so small and portable and e- simple to teach the rules and i, I think the the one word that describes skulls the best is subtle because the game, like the first time somebody plays it, it's almost impossible to like understand what's really happening. But I guess I should explain it. Uh, everybody has these four cards or coasters or whatever. They look like you have. yeah, they look like coasters. Yeah, uh, in the the version I have, they are coasters as well. But on the one side, they're just like you have a uniform back, and on the other side, you've got is it five five coasters? Everybody has four four. Okay, so you have three roses and then one skull. Basically, you just bid a number of roses like you just put down either a rose or a skull, but nobody gets to know. And then you bid on how many every, uh, uh, co- of coasters you can flip over that are roses. So it, it all is like who here is trying to trip me up? Because the trick is that you have to reveal all of your coasters first. So if you put down a skull, you're basically dooming yourself. You cannot bid except you definitely can you can bid to to try to make everybody else's life harder that's the that's the subtle t that i'm that i'm talking about like where you're like i bid too and like you have to bid that amount that nobody can really read you is like is he just upping the bid or has he got a skull under there i don't know i just love it it's super easy to teach it's kind of it's a lot i think it has a lot of similarities to texas hold'em but with all of the complication taken away like you don't have to know the rank of all the hands or anything specific like that. It's just like that's either a skull or a rose. That's all you got to know. Right. And then it's just reading people. Did that person put down a skull or did they put down a rose? Great thing about Skull is that it plays the most off the players itself. Like you yeah. look at, you look at a game like Ticket to Ride. You have a uh, a really specific 
or maybe not specific or just like a casual slash general strategy of how you're going to do Ticket to Ride. And Ticket to Ride's always, you know, slightly different based off the cards that you get. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it's, you know, it's the same game. You might just take different routes every time. Yeah. Or, or King of Tokyo. Besides, you know, dice not rolling the way you want them, uh, it pretty much plays out the same. And the, the variable there is the power-ups you might buy or the power-ups that are revealed. Whereas Skull, nothing really plays out any different except the actual people sitting at the table. Right. And ha- how aggressive or not aggressive they are. and that aggression or not aggression changes based off like the the first point the first time somebody scores i think yeah yeah and well even maybe even like previous games that you've played with that individual like because i know that when i play with with friends who have played before i'm like ooh, that motherfucker always has a skull i'm not flipping that over But yeah, yeah, I've played in groups where where like one one to four, like no one wanted to go over four, like that was too risky. And then I've played in other groups where it was like, oh no, we're starting the bid in at three. And now we're going <laughs> to four, five, six. Like it was very, very gutsy. It, it also punishes you in a way for putting a skull down. Like there's a point to the game where you're only hindering yourself by putting skulls down because there's you're lock you're blocking yourself out for the round. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a really great game. It's super great and it's so and so simple and I think it's been around for a really long time. Although the the version that I have is a, a print from like 2014 or whatever, but the game is like very old. <laughs> yeah. But man, what a what a good classic game. Yeah, it's really good. Well, all right. I think that is our show. Talked about a lot. Talked about some conventions, some casual games, that Clank game, which seems a little bit heavier. But super fun. Everybody should play Clank. We don't need Alan and Sean to make this show good. <laughs> <laughs> last week, I put the... An, um, last week, I put an actual play of Fiasco in the feed. Hey, I was in that. Logan was in that. If if you liked that, let us know. If you didn't like that, let us know. And uh, Alan and Sean and I were talking about doing some more on, games on air. Not Fiasco specifically, but something like Billionaire Banshee or Once Upon a Time. Or I mean, we played stuff before. We played really light stuff. But seeing if we can do something with that. That wouldn't be like an every episode thing. That would just kind of be like a one-off special like like I did last week. But but just playing playing with some stuff. Seeing if some other stuff works besides just us rambling about games and whatnot. But that that pretty much wraps up. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email the show, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. If you want to follow Logan and check out what he's doing, uh, you follow him on Twitter over at Logan Jenkins. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter. It's at DraggingALake. And if you want to stay up to date with Tuesday Night Games and the podcast, uh, because we both publish to the same feed, that's Play TKG. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. I believe this episode is... Divinished. <laughs>